are we gonna get copyright infringement for this? Honestly, if Beyonce sued me, that would be the best day of my life. Um, the day we get a copyright from that is the day that we are big enough to be proud. I okay, <clears throat> I'm shutting up. <laughs> you do you. Welcome to Salt Limb Storytime, the podcast where we tell you stories worth telling over drinks. I'm Just Nani, joined today by my very earnest co-host Allison Hillman. <laughs> Who, while not trying to uh, get us sued by Beyonce, is also just looking magnificent tonight, I must say. I love your hair. Thank you. I showered and I washed it. That's, that's <laughs> what it is. Honestly. Uh, don't you love that? <laughs> I know. I went to, I went to work uh, earlier this week and my coworker was like, you look so pretty today. And I was like, thank you. I put minimal effort into my appearance. I took a shower this morning and then I put on mascara. And anyway, but it was enough for her to be like, wow, you look really pretty. Like that is how little I try now in life. So anyway, note to self. Okay, but for showering. those of you listening at home, wouldn't you love to just take a shower and put on some mascara and have people be like, you look incredible. Me, I'm over here with my 45 minute makeup routine. Okay, listen, that is not always the case. Just trying, trying to get the compliments. It does not look like this. I I also was in a good mood, so I had an extra kind of glowy vibe, but no, and Mm -hmm. and my skin Mm -hmm. has been better, so it was a lot of things leading up to that compliment, so. I love that for you. Trust me, it's not always great, but. Well deserved. Anyway, hello, Jess. Hi, we're back for season two. (laughs) I'm so excited. I've been thinking about it constantly. Happy 2023. Everybody. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Another year. That's insane. Older and wiser. <laughs> I definitely wrote the date as 2020 the other day, so clearly some residual <laughs> trauma there. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's all felt like one long year. Since 2020, it's all felt like yeah. one long year. So I feel like this is the year where maybe we'll be able to separate ourselves a bit from COVID. So hopefully. Everybody get yes. vaccinated. Get your boosters if you Truly. can. Stay safe. Drink your water. All the good things. Mm-hmm. Anywho, well, Allison, did you do anything fun for New Year's? I went to my beautiful friend's engagement celebration slash Christmas, Christmas, New Year's Eve party. And it was really fun. Had a great time. It was nice and snowy. Ran into some people I haven't seen in like 10 years and got to catch up with them. It was really fun. It was nice. Fun. Oh yeah. My gosh, and I, I got to gotta get home before like 4 a.m which is truly a win in my books absolutely Uh, because of the weather i did not come down and spend new year's eve with you so how was your new year's eve it was really lovely but i'm glad that you didn't come down because getting into the uber leaving the house that we were at it was scary even just leaving there and it was like insane snow the rest of the day for like the next three days so i would have been really really nervous for you going home so as much as i was sad to miss you I was grateful for your safety and your good right. choices in your driving. <laughs> so, right. but also, it was top of my list to go to my friend's engagement celebration. Not to make that absolutely, I had a great time, and I'm so glad I went. It was very, 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 very fun. And good. you celebrated your birthday, Jess. How was that on I the did. on the 14th of December? I did. I did celebrate my birthday. It was lovely. I was surrounded by all my lovely friends the weekend before doing a really, really white person activity of having a tea party. 
And then Allison came down and celebrated on my actual birthday. And we had a lovely meal with Brendan and just got to like, I really loved our little chit chat on my birthday. I really just, Brendan and I've talked about it several times. It was just lovely to spend it with you and, and the people that matter, you know, you know how it is. So. Yeah, just I was honestly so happy. I, I was bummed I couldn't come down that Saturday to hang out with you and all your friends that don't work Saturdays. <laughs> and so, but it was really nice to see you on your birthday. And we mm. also ate some like just great food. And delicious. I, there's only been like, I think like last year was the first year, I think in what, like eight or nine years that I haven't spent your birthday with you because yeah. I was in Oregon. So it was really nice to see you again. But anyway, I hope everybody else's New Year and Christmas and holidays were just as fun as ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some exciting news. You do. Tell us I all about am it. Taking life by the balls again. I'm actually, you know what? I'm taking life by the tits again, both of them, gently, <laughs> consensually. And I decided to sign up for EMT school. So. Allison. I will go do that now and I hope it works out because that's amazing. It would be nice to do something and I, I hope it is something that I, I, I think for several reasons I could be good at it, but also for yeah. several reasons I could be really bad at it. So either way, this is important information to know. And if I don't end up liking it, I will still have the knowledge of the f- mm-hmm. one level of EMT training and that can't yeah. do you wrong in life. So no. Absolutely not. And as we've said a million times in this podcast, fuck it, we ball. You got to do something. I think you're going to be fantastic and it's going to be such a great, a great experience. I'm so excited for you. Excited to hear about all of the the scary things you learn about. (laughs) I, oh my God, you're going to hate it so much um, about all like this, especially when I start going on like calls and stuff, hearing the fun stories because I, you'll be the first. I'll just be a great HIPAA violation, the whole thing, our friendship. Um, Anyway, (laughs) you know what I'm honestly most nervous about is that we'll have to do, like, days in the ER, and I just know I will see people that I know, and it'll be so weird and so awkward, and I called my uncle. He's a firefighter in Florida. Mm -hmm. Fucking, oh, my God. And his wife, my aunt, she is a nurse, and I was, like, asking them all, in Florida, again, just in Florida and I so I was like asking them, <laughs> asking them all these questions and you know they were they were very very helpful but she was like yeah you're gonna probably work in the ER and I was like what do you do if you see people you know and she's like honestly this happens to me all the time and you just have to like when she's like when I when it's people I know and I have to like I, I don't do anything serious on them like I don't use anesthesia I don't do anything like that because I don't want to mess up because that's just an mm-hmm. extra level of bad so yeah I'm sure it'll be fine but it's it's something I've been thinking about for sure yeah well and I think that you go into a work mode and my mom and other people that I know that work in healthcare have talked about this where you just kind of go into a work mode when you're in those spaces and it just turns very like you uh, like you're a part of you turns off in a good way so you kind of are just there to do your job and and so I think that I think you'll be okay Okay. No, no HIPAA violations. So. <laughs> oh, but also, I am so excited to hear that, like, and just know the juicy details about people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, be mm-hmm. on the scene for drama. Like, that's kind of that's just right up my alley. So, absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> but it'll be a great time. And exci- I'm excited. Uh, school starts in March, which is kind of anticlimactic because I signed up a few days ago, and now I'm like, oh, now I just need to wait two months. But um, yeah. 
Anyway, well, cool. I'm well, I'm so excited. You'll have to keep us posted you. on that. I you I'm, you're gonna hear all of it. I don't <laughs> like. I'm not gonna tell you. Allison uh, just stops talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like cool. See you never, stupid. All right, yeah, bye. Um, only if you call nine one one will I ever show up again. So. <laughs> Oh, my God. We're going to avoid doing that at all costs. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Jess, you came up with a pretty fun idea while during our break, which also felt like way longer than it was. Way longer. Um, Happy to be back. Uh, You came up with an idea about uh, having most or at least some of our months more themed. Yeah. I really like that. So for season two, we're going to be experimenting with what I like to call some strategic themery. So every few months or so, we'll have a theme per month that kind of correlates with that month's vibe. So for January, as many people know, it's dry January. Allison and I decided to go in the absolute opposite direction. And we are doing drunk tomfoolery episodes, okay? Drunk January, bitches. Drunk January. Now, if you are doing a dry January, we we support your sobriety and full support. support. And, you know, as somebody who overdid it over the holidays, you know, I applaud you and and all the good things. But you know what we're not going to do? Allison and I, we are not influencers, okay? We we are not here to claim that our lives are are more put together than yours. And here's ten ways that you can make your New Year special. No, we are the mm-hmm. drunk tomfoolery people here. So that's what we're doing for this month. So welcome. Yes, so welcome. Welcome to the craziness. I hope this makes you feel better after watching all the fridge restocking videos on TikTok of ten ways to declutter your life this New Year. Sure. Yeah. So we will be doing a. New Year's kind of themed episode with some uh, some listener call outs. If you have a New Year's resolution that is shitty, we'd love to hear about it. If it's I'm going to sleep with more people, please tell us. If it's I'm going to try and finally like red wine, please submit it. If it's I'm going to admit that my glee obsession is a bit and I don't know how to get out of it, submit it. We want to hear it. But we'll also be doing a drunk stories episode um, towards the end of the month. So watch for that call out as well because we want to hear what crazy shit you guys get up to when you're drunk. So I'm so pumped for that episode. I just know there'll be some good ones. <laughs> I, after our confessions episode, you all oh are gosh. feral individuals. I cannot wait to hear oh. what you do when you're drunk. <laughs> I Everybody has at least one. Well, everybody one. that has drank a few times has at least one at least i have multiple unfortunately same so can't wait to hear can't wait to hear Um, with that being said allison mm -hmm. are you ready to get into this week's episode i am fucking pumped okay i'm so excited it's gonna be Um, lovely jess and i decided again junk drunk tomfoolery so we're doing some drunk tomfoolery throughout history Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the theme for this specific episode. So Jess is going first, and I could not be more excited to hear what you have in store for me. I'm so nervous. It's been so long since I've done a long episode with you. I know! <laughs> but you know what? It is a delight to be back with you, talking shit, telling stories, participating in general tomfoolery, one might say. <laughs> yes. Debauchery. <laughs> So we thought it would only be appropriate to spend some time discussing a few famous incidents of having one too many and the consequences that followed. Allison, have you ever had a time where you did something while drunk that you regret? Almost every time I'm drunk, yes, actually. <laughs> so that was like that's like a significant portion of my adult life. <laughs> yes. Well, lucky for you, you getting drunk 
and doing something you regret is nowhere near as bad as starting an 18-year civil war because you got wine drunk with your boss. Oh, shit. I mean, who's to say I haven't done that, you know? It's actually one of my New Year's resolutions, but wow, that's some big goals right there. 18-year civil war. Yeah, yeah. It. Listen, it's something that we can all aspire to, but I don't know how well we'll achieve it. So, wow. Today, Allison, I'm going to tell you all about the highly preventable white ship disaster of 1120. 1120? <laughs> we are we are going way back. Wow. Way, 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 way back. Indoor plumbing, not a concept. So, <laughs> our story starts. It's like the wheel but a twinkle in the eyes. <laughs> like, how long ago was that? That's insane. I mean... How long ago is that? A thousand and three years? <laughs> That's significantly longer than I oh, can even picture. Oh, no, I did so. that math wrong. You, It's, you know, it's... it's I'm not double-checking se- you. It's several years ago. <laughs> it's at least ten. It's at least ten years ago. So our story starts, as all good British stories do, with a young prince destined for the throne of a burgeoning empire. William Adlin known lovingly by his friends as Adlin or Adelingus, if you're plucky. Oh, that's good. (laughs) That is legitimate. I pulled that from a Wikipedia article. (laughs) Adelingus. (laughs) He was the only legitimate son of King Henry I. A textbook Leo, Adeline was born on August 5th, 1103, and was, quote, a prince so pampered he was food destined for the fire, end quote, according to a royal historian of the age, Henry of Huddington. Despite, we're going to hear a lot. I'm going to be honest. There are two names in the story that, like, ten people have, Henry and Matilda, so start counting. <laughs> okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay. Drink when you hear these. <laughs> Drink or don't. When you- Drink when you hear the name Henry. (laughs) Get ready. So, anyway, despite his soft lifestyle, Adeline was primarily brought up and educated by his mother, Queen Matilda. Queen Matilda was an unusually well-educated and well-cultured woman for the age. She was oft referred to as Queen Matilda, bless of memory. It is said that she ran a tight... I know, right? (laughs) There are some something that I really wish that I like discovered in the story is like a lot of these royals have names like Queen Matilda and then it's like there's one of them in here that's like handsome and fair looking like their full names are just like adjectives and I wish that we still had that like yeah like mine would be Alice and Hillman that bitch at the bar yeah you know? exactly like I'm just Excellent. not fair and lo- what was hers fair and lovely or something it was even Queen Matilda that. blessed of memory because she was so she remembered things so well and like was so well educated wow so she knew everybody's name that's pretty impressive she never forgot a name apparently also before i forget what are you drinking today jess oh i'm currently drinking diet coke out of a stanley cup and it's great i also have a bottle of wine that i will be drinking directly from the bottle because my story does center around a lot of wine consumption as it should. Oh, she is drinking out of the bottle. Did you just finish that? No. Not even close. Okay, good. Good, good, good. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Queen Matilda, blessed of memory. 
It's said that she ran a tight, well-oiled court as her husband's regent and spent a lengthy amount of time with her son, preparing him for the rigors of being king one day. Her untimely death when Adeline was 15 left him as the new regent in his father's absence. Adeline was forced to marry his eight-year-old child wife, Matilda of Anjou. Wait, what? These people were doing land deals. Age was but a number in, in this world. But I wanted to make it clear. His wife was a child also named Matilda, while he was 16 in the summer of 1119. The arranged marriage was an attempt to calm the rioting territories Matilda came from, despite her egregiously young age. Adeline spent the year following his marriage traveling with his father, learning the ropes of keeping their empire unified. So my thought here is that it was like, we're going to marry these two because we got to figure out this rioting situation. But because she's eight and like can't you know shouldn't be adeline's gonna just go travel (laughs) it's just like this is my wife matilda she's in third grade top of her class (laughs) yes yes lots drawing can stay in the lines now so yeah knows how to ride a bike without training wheels i I'm like laughing with disgust. I hope you yeah. guys can hear that in my voice. Yeah. Sorry. I just eight years old. Okay. So okay, this is just like I said, it. this is my hope is that like she got to hang out at the castle, learn her Latin, you know, and he got to go sure. and travel and learn how to be a king. That just that's the world. I am that's the, the that's the sheltered world I'm going to live in on this in this moment. So oh, me too. Me too. Any horror. What was looking like the beginning of a young ruler coming into his own ended fatefully one November day as the group of royals, including King Henry and several of his illegitimate children, prepared to travel back to England from Balfour after some time spent in Normandy. In an attempt to forge a better royal relationship with the English, a renowned captain named Thomas Fitzstephen offered the royals a ride in his newly outfitted ship, called the White Ship. This ship was known across the coast for its speed and like boat grace not really sure what boat grace means okay i can understand what you mean the ship was very glamorous it was very think like pirates of the caribbean when they're like pearl yeah this is the fastest ship in the sea i gotta get there but this one was like painted nice you know so Fitzstephen was the son of a well-known sailor who had helped King Henry's father, William the Conqueror, who you may have heard of, with naval expeditions during one of the many fucking wars these people got themselves in. So many. So many. Men, am I right? (laughs) King Henry had already done the boat equivalent of ordering his Uber across the sea, but Adeline, (laughs) along with many of his half-siblings, decided to take Fitzstephen up on his offer. Now, like all good young royals, Adeline liked to drink, particularly in lavish group settings. The night of November 25th, 1120 was no exception. Excited by the prospect of riding to England on the glamorous ship, Adeline and his cohort began drinking copious amounts of the French wine available to them before setting sail. They drank so much that a few members of their party had to disembark to sleep on land because they were too drunk to be aboard even an unmoving ship. Two monks, Damn. upon seeing the debauchery the evening was turning into, also left the ship, writing, quote, it was overcrowded with riotous and headstrong youth, end quote. <laughs> they pissed off the monks, Allison. 
That's it's hard to get a monk to that point. I'll tell you what. Wow. E- <laughs> Eager to yeah, join like, the I, monk. I have to go meditate. I'm so mad. <laughs> Oh, I think the <laughs> I think the monks in England are a little bit different than those types of monks, but you know, <laughs> same concept. Uh, <laughs> ear to join in on the fun, the crew of the ship also began to drink with the royals, soaking up any chance they had to drink such fine booze. By this point, the port was getting dark. King Henry had left in his ship, and the young royals were behind on getting home. In raucous fashion, the drunk royals and the crew, some 300 people, urged the captain to set sail and beat King Henry to the English shore. Fitzstephen, also shit-faced and ready to prove his ship's excellence, immediately directed his crew to set sail. Sloppy from the drink and determined to meet the challenge from Adelaide and his fellow royals, the ship crew focused on getting the ship up to speed despite the dangerous rocks near Gatton Point, a peninsula with a now-famous lighthouse to aid ships in avoiding the dangerous waters. Captain Fitzstephen led the ship too close to land and ran up against the su- a submerged rock so large it has a name, Quilliaboof. I'm sure I'm saying that so wrong, but it's a rock, oh, yeah, so, sure, you sure, know. Sure, yeah. The rock instantly tore a massive hole in the ship and began flooding it with freezing Atlantic water. Despite the absolute panic-stricken chaos of the 300 drunk people aboard sinking, aboard a sinking wooden ship, Adeline's guards escorted him safely to a, the 12th century version of a lifeboat, which I'll just let you marinate on what you think that looks like. <laughs> definitely wooden, definitely just really scary maybe, to be in, I'm sure. Maybe not, you know. Not quite Maybe an just inflatable a, raft. A slab of wood that they just threw into the water or just a barrel and they're like, hold <laughs> on to that for your dear life. <laughs> Adeline and the others on the lifeboat likely would have survived the ordeal had he not heard the cries of his half-sister, Matilda. Yes, another one. <laughs> there are now three that you've heard of. So not his wife or his mother. His illegitimate half-sister. <laughs> his father's bastard child. Also cheers to you matilda cheers to they had like three names back then so yeah matilda william and henry apparently mm-hmm. anyway let's see he heard the cries of his half-sister matilda as she floundered on the water <clears throat> the prince in a foolhardy attempt at familial heroics ordered the overcrowded dinghy back towards her immediately the lifeboat was overrun by the desperate passengers and crew and the singular lifeboat also began to sink Ultimately, all but one person aboard perished in the crash. The survivor, a butcher traveling with the crew, claimed that Captain Fitzstephen surfaced and survived the initial onslaught of death, but upon hearing that Adeline had died, stopped fighting and let himself go to the waves, too ashamed to face the king if he lived. Because he just killed, like, all of the king's kids. Yeah, honestly, I don't blame him one bit. I'd be like, you know what? This is this is the only way. I would rather die this way than And his odds of survival were not good. <laughs> yeah. So no. anywho, on that cheery note, the king, upon hearing the news after his arrival in England, was distraught at the loss of so many of his children, his heir, and many of his chief barons. Oracles of the time wrote of his grief, saying, quote, So sudden was the shock and so severe his anguish that he instantly fell to the ground, but being raised up by his friends, he was conducted to his chamber and gave free course to the bitterness of his grief, end quote. Something I'll say for historians of this time, they were very poetic. 
the best. I wonder, really... I wonder if that's how people talked back then, too. Or if that's just, like, how... Like, you know, if they I really mean, said thee and thy and yeah. your summer's day or whatever. I think this is... This is translated, but it's Middle English, which is, like, very much of that, like, very different than English today. I did take a medieval literature class, and I've read a lot of medieval literature, but right now none of that information is coming to my head that will make this sound academic, so we're going to just leave it at that. They were speaking Middle English. Okay. Any horror. Adeline's young wife took a vow to never marry again and join a monastery to become a nun. She was 11. A nun? A nun. <laughs> she became a nun bread. At age 11, she's like, ooh, I'm never going to marry again. Thank God. <laughs> okay, but I will say I looked into her and she was like a badass nun. She became yeah. an abscess, which is like the highest you can go as a nun at that time. So she was like lording over this monastery. She was like, I don't have, I'm not a child bride anymore. I don't have a husband. I have my independence. I'm like judging women for getting pregnant out of wedlock. What more do I need? I can color within the lines. (laughs) She's like, yeah, she's 11 years old, has a cigarette between her fingers. (laughs) My dead husband. (laughs) She's just so badass for her age. <laughs> She's oh like, oh, wow, I'm going to swear myself off of men because I still haven't hit puberty and I don't like them. But hey, no. you know. Well, and it was kind of like a middle finger to her father. Because again, when I was reading up on her, I didn't include this. But her father tried to marry her off again. Because obviously she was married in a treaty. He tried to get her dowry back. The king was like, absolutely not. It's not my fault. The son, My son died. Like, you married her off to me. And it's reported that King Henry was like a father to her. And was oh. like, you can stay as long as you want. Whatever you need will do. And so she was like, but I'm going to go to the monastery you're going to save me from my father. And he did. So King Henry, child bride and all, was like, I'll be your, I'll be your stable father The figure. most <laughs> unlikely friendship. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Oh, fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> this is, anytime you talk about medieval times, it's really. <laughs> it's so uh... easy to rip them apart. Yeah. So, as legend has it, the boat was doomed from the start of the day after the captain and passengers refused a priest's blessing on the ship and voyage, being too caught up in their sinful drink. So I guess it was tradition that a priest, whenever a royal got on a boat and even, like, noblemen, they'd come and they'd bless the voyage. And these guys rejected that blessing. So, from the start, they were being, they were being debaucherous. And it yeah. was not good. So if you reject Sky Daddy, he's gonna <laughs> k- strike you down. He's gonna you know? give you the worst hangover ever and kill you. Apparently, absolutely. absolutely. So the aftermath of this disaster was equally terrible. King Henry was now heirless and a widower, so he married again in an attempt to sire another heir. His union with his second wife held no such luck. They were unable to have any children at all. And on his deathbed, Henry declared his eldest legitimate daughter, Matilda, as his rightful heir. Is this number four? This is number four. And we're going to just pause for one second and talk about talk about how fucked up it is that Henry named an illegitimate daughter after his wife while also having a legitimate daughter named Matilda. Absolute anarchy. 
that's pretty yeah so absolute anarchy just like what finally happened after henry died in 1135 15 years after this boat tragedy great year 1135 1135 really what a time what a time absolutely a vile time to be alive honestly there's a lot going on (laughs) it's so bad i'm pretty sure the hundred years war is happening during this time no that's in the 1300s i'm so sorry to my ap euro teacher (laughs) i i didn't pull my notes out on this my my apologies as you could probably guess If you've read anything about history ever, people were not stoked on the idea that a daughter could inherit her father's throne. Empress Matilda returned to England after the death of her first husband and married a count named Joffrey the Handsome and Fair. What a great name. Again, with these names. Wait, one more time. Joffrey the Handsome and Fair. Ah, A great name, honestly. And I've seen his, like, epitaph, like stained glass windows of him he looks hot so good for him okay anyway despite her father making his court take an oath to follow her after his death the throne was quickly stripped away from matilda by her first cousin stephen dubois who should have been on the white ship that sank but wasn't because he got too drunk to stay on it and was one of the people that left absolute tea oh i forgot that there were all those people there, that left because wow there are survivors and all of what i'm about to tell you could have been prevented had either they not gotten drunk and or steven had just stayed on the boat instead of being a pussy who couldn't be on the boat <laughs> hey shots fired <laughs> what, what 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 so stupid cousin steven's early reign was a hot mess there was intense fighting within his own court the welsh and the scottish of course In 1139, with support from one of her half-siblings, Matilda attempted to invade England and reclaim her throne. This did not go great, and was the start of several back-and-forth attempts from both sides to claim land and titles. Historians call this period the Anarchy because the country experienced such intense amounts of infighting with no real progress in sight. In 1141, Cousin Stephen was captured, leading to a full collapse in his reign in most of the country. Empress Matilda took her chance and attempted to finally be crowned queen, but was forced the last minute to flee London by hostile crowds. Literally got booed off the stage. Oh, shit. Shortly like, after- Rotten tomatoes being literally out her head. Literal rotten tomatoes. <laughs> Lettuce is <laughs> out of the left field. Just not good so shortly after this embarrassing attempt her biggest supporter and half-brother robert of gloucester was captured by the other side the two sides agreed to a prisoner exchange swapping the captains stephen and robert this pattern continued for another decade allison (laughs) stephen would almost capture matilda but then she'd escape vice versa over and over and over again Finally, Matilda's hot husband captured Normandy in her name, and Matilda returned there, leaving her now adult, capable son, Henry. Jesus fucking Christ, am I right or am I right? Yeah, you're you're fucking right. <laughs> to fight for his future throne. By the early 1150s, most barons and the church were absolutely war-weary and begged the two sides to come to a peace agreement. Henry, Matilda's son, said fuck that and reinvaded England in 1153, but neither side's armies were eager to fight. Cousin Stephen and Henry finally began to negotiate a peace treaty, during which Stephen's only heir, Eustace, 
died of illness. <laughs> so the only person with an original name. <laughs> Eustace was out here like, I'm not going to be named Henry or Matilda, but I am going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but wait, I have this tickle in my throat. What's this? <laughs> oh, death. <laughs> oh, yes. The final treaty called the Treaty of Wallingford let Stephen regain the throne, but placed Henry as his successor. Cousin Stephen died of disease a year later, and Henry was crowned as Henry II, and the period of anarchy was over. Historians of this time call it some of Britain's most brutal years of killing, even from medieval times. A chronicle of the times, a chronicler of the times said, quote, Christ and his saints were asleep, and quote, during this conflict. The destruction was so widespread and terrible. And you know what would have prevented it all? Not drinking and driving a fucking boat. Drinking and driving has always been bad, even in the 1100s. Even in the 1100s, drinking and driving a boat, not good. And that, my dear friend, is the story of the sinking of the white ship and how it plunged British into anarchy for 18 years. The end. (laughs) Fucking hell. Dude, I hear about what things were like back then. And I hear stories like this. I'm like, how is this? How is it possible that humans evolved? into what we are today i mean we're not great i'm not no. saying we're great or any less feral than these people were we're just doing it in different ways but it's like how was that and i on a, a few thousand years ago it doesn't feel like that long i mean it does but in the grand scheme of life that's not that long ago i did the math 903 years nine fuck off no it's nine <gasps> oh you're right yeah. In my head, it was like 3,000, but we're in literally 2023. We were born in 1994, 1997. We were, okay, we were born in, ni- okay, 1990s. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So. That is so recent. I, like, think about being a peasant in this time, and it's like, some son got too drunk and died on a boat, and now I have to be in a war-torn hellscape for 18 years. Because these two cousins can't work it out. And the thing that kills me is that in the end, none of it mattered because Matilda's son still inherited the throne. And put England into a long period of peace while he reconstructed the country after all of the destruction. So none of it mattered in hindsight. Just to have a cottage in the countryside away from it all. I know, right? Honestly, like... Dying of dysentery. <sighs> Almost did, but... Dying of pneumonia. Haven't done that, so... <laughs> just everyone had syphilis and... So much you know, syphilis. The plague, rats and everything. Oh, body odor. Don't even... I couldn't. Teeth? Dude, the teeth. I'm so happy. I mean, as, like, on fire as the world is right now, hygiene has never been better. Cologne, perfume, both great. Toilets, plumbing, electricity. Oh! Mm -hmm. Incredible. Like, we have enough time to kill to get in fights on social media, so. Yeah, absolutely. And lifeboats. Functioning lifeboats. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at you, Titanic. Jesus. (laughs) So, Jess, you so just awesome. told a really just 
off the walls unhinged <laughs> story that seems like it should be fake or it's like something out of Star Wars, but it's like actual Earth history, which is just a little it's odd. It's it's odd, you know. Um listen, the Anglo Saxons crazy fuckers. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> it took me a minute to figure out like what I wanted to do here because there are so many good ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Turns out mm-hmm. mankind has just been getting like tanked and making yeah. poor decisions for the longest amount of time. Like yeah. a- an insane amount of time. 1120s. <laughs> at, at least. So I put here a few honorable mentions of Please. iconic moments that I just want. I just needed to mention because I couldn't not do them. Like, they mm-hmm. didn't have quite enough information, but, like, yeah. they they were just too good. So, on Victory Day, which is when the Nazis surrendered and, mm-hmm. like, everybody was just so thrilled. Russia, who was against the Nazis, they ran out of vodka in 22 hours because... Of how hard they celebrated the Nazi surrender. Like, Hell they yeah. drank it all. You couldn't buy it in Russia because all of it, I'm all of it was gone. All of it. <laughs> like, all of it. Like, I, that's fucking insane. Okay. Did you know that Andrew Jackson destroyed the White House like two times? Yes. Okay, yes, I'm going to tell you anyway. Please. So when he is, when Andrew Jackson, who also, side note, awful person, awful president, truly one of the worst human beings in America, truly one of the worst people of all time, still knew how to throw a good party, probably because he didn't have any um, consideration for other people. So yeah, he knew how to have a good time and go down in history as one of the worst people of all time, but one of the funniest party havers. So anyway, he assumed presidency on March 4th in 1829, and the very first thing he did was throw a fucking rager. Like, more than 20,000 people showed up for his inaugural open house at the White House, okay? 20,000. The crowd got so rowdy that Jackson was forced to sneak out of a window. White House staff had to place tubs of whiskey on the White House lawn in order to lure people out of the house long enough for Jackson to sneak back in. That was party one. Party two was his, like, going away party in 1837. And here's the thing. A few years prior, Jackson was gifted a 1,400-pound wheel of cheese. An average gift, one might say. (laughs) A a single wheel of cheese that weighed 1,400 pounds. 1,400 fucking pounds. My dream truly sounds what like kind my of cheese do you think it was like no clue h cheddar I mean either. a little gouda a little blue <laughs> Ooh, get some gouda in there oh not blue i don't want blue <clears throat> i don't want blue either so, but he had a 1400 pound wheel of cheese which he let ferment for over a year and uh, is that good is that bad couldn't tell you but when the time came he put out an ad, a literal ad in the newspaper, inviting the entire fucking country over to the house, the White House, to help him eat it. Over 10,000 people arrived. Not as many as I might think, but still, that's, like, just insane. Over 10,000 people arrived. It was said that you could smell cheese from a half mile in every direction from the White House and it took the crowd. Wait, Jess, can you guess how long it took the crowd of ten thousand and one 
including Jackson, to eat this 1,400-pound wheel of cheese. Well, that's about a pound and a half and some change per person. No. 10,000 people. No, uh, for 12 minutes. <laughs> Two hours. Oh, great. <laughs> but that's still like a, like a healthy basketball size portion probably for each person. Yeah. I'm not sure how it works, but that's... Yeah. I, like I, a chunk. I Honestly, me and you alone probably could have had that done in like 15 minutes, if I'm being honest. What a way to go. <laughs> it's literally okay. the size of Willis. <laughs> No, it's me at a cheese party. Is This is who I turn into. Except it's just me and that one 1,400-pound wheel of cheese alone in a room together. So, two hours for the entire crowd to devour it. Afterwards, Damn. Jackson was gifted, I don't know what this means, a carriage made out of hickory sticks. And okay. I looked it up. I think it's like a little tiny hockey sticks or something. That's the best I could do. Don't know how it works. Don't know what that means. But there, there it is. There's Those are the facts. And when Martin Van Buren took up office just a few days later, he was livid because the entire White House just reeked of cheese for weeks. Like, it was ground Damn. into the carpets, the couch, the curtains, like everywhere. So that's just some iconic moments from him. <clears throat> Another one, De- Jess, did you know that the founding fathers threw down oh, like, yeah. right before signing the Constitution. Like, oh, yeah. Total rager. So. Great time for a them. Fe- like, <laughs> great year. So Philadelphia, Philadelphia threw a huge party for George Washington and all of the 55 delegates on September 15th, 1787, which is just two days before the signing of the Constitution. Apparently, it had taken them, like, five months or something or to, like, get all this together. So it was a really big deal. So some of the big names that attended this party, again, George Washington, Ben Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, and James Madison were all at this fucking party. Like, found, literal founding fathers. Anyway, so I, I just can't imagine that they had fun. That just blows my mind. So the 55 delegates pounded more than 100 bottles of wine, 22 bottles of porter, 12 bottles of beer, 8 bottles of whiskey, 8 bottles of hard cider, 7 bowls of spiked punch, and a partridge in a pear tree. I, I was going to make that joke. Damn it. Oh, so sorry. So hate to hate to do it for you, but it's written down here, my friend. So, but here's the thing. I That would kill, like, everybody. So I don't know how that's possible, but that's just what one of the sources say. I didn't look into it too hard. I think we need to remember that these people didn't have clean drinking water. So oh, alcohol yeah. was like, beer was like their water. Beer was like their LaCroix. <laughs> Your LaCroix, like your Diet Coke. You know what? This like, Literally your Diet Coke. So now that's still a fuck ton of booze. Do not get me wrong. That's, but here's the thing. 100 bottles of wine for 55 people alone should like have everybody pretty toasty. Yeah. They 22 say bottles of porter, bottles of beer, punch, a bottle, whiskey. A bottle per two people when you throw a party. That's a lot. You said 55 people. So like almost two bottles a person of wine. I don't know why that math took me four years to do, but you're correct. Here's you know what we established in the last eight minutes? Both we can't do math. Suck at math. We just <laughs> so bad. Yours was a lot easier. It was literally hundred divided by two. But it, I came back. I cannot believe I graduated college. Um, I have personally drank a whole bottle of wine by myself in a night, and I am 
absolutely flabbergasted that I am still alive to tell the tale. It was red wine, too. So it oh, was. Oh, God. And it was. I've told you the story about how I ruined Mother's Day. That was the day that I, like, drank that whole bottle of wine by myself. Not great. And so the fact that, like, these guys were doing that on top of 22 bottles of porter, 12 bottles of beer, 8 bottles of whiskey, 8 bottles of hard cider, blah, 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 punch, and a partridge in a pear tree is insane. Yeah. Anyway. So they did that, and I thought that was hysterical, but the best part is that the innkeeper had to add, like, total Airbnb moment, had to add a 2% fee to their already enormous alcohol bill because of the damage that they had done to his inn. Like, it was, like, like, broken bottles, tables, punch bowls, and chamber pots, which is awful. I hope they weren't full, but they just broke it. Like, founding fathers, they, like took off their wigs and threw them at the wall for the night. They just wigs to the wall, ready to go. And this is my last honorable mention and my absolute favorite. Okay, I'm ready. The first all-female topless duel. (laughs) All right, please continue. (laughs) And it's better than you think. I'm sure. In 1892, 1892, at a grand musical gala in Vienna held by Viennese... Royal Princess Pauline von Metternich, Metternich, I didn't look up pronunciation, I'm sorry. So at this party, Russian-born Countess Anastasia Kielmanseg had the audacity to diss the princess's choice in flower arrangements. Oh. Oh, she went there. She went there, sister. And I'll tell you what, so the two women bickered for hours over angry glasses of champagne until finally the princess just put her little spiked foot down and was like get me my fucking dueling swords (laughs) they really said fuck it we duel right jess (laughs) so they grabbed the princess's dueling short like they're her fucking rapiers and ran off with a small audience of noble women following close behind okay and so one of these women had medical knowledge she was the baroness of lubinska and she suggested that the two the princess and the countess Remove their tops to avoid septic infection from their sweaty clothes. And also they were probably filled with lead. Let's be honest here. And it was actually like a really good idea because. Anyway, so that's what she was just like, take your fucking tops off to avoid septic infection. And they were like, sure. And they did. And thus began the first ever noble Victorian topless girl on girl sword fight. Okay. You're telling me this is a, so, a channel on Pornhub? <laughs> okay, I'm going to get there. I get mad in a sec. So, tits out. They were they fought like whole, a whole three rounds. Like, tits out. Three rounds. Finally, the princess opened a cut on the countess's nose, and the countess, in turn, stabbed the princess in the arm. After this, the women were dead ass instructed to hug, kiss, and make up, which they did, and it was fine. But... Another source did say, I don't think this is true, but it was hysterical. So I'm, I'm, I'm counting it. Uh, <laughs> and so I, but I just have to, the source was um, cracked.com. They had a few articles. I got a lot of these from there. So just check it out. It's really good. Anyway. So they said that the duel was broken up by men. They heard the commotion and they gathered to watch, which totally ruined everything. Then the Baroness Lubinska chased them off with an umbrella. I don't think it's real. 
but I think it's really funny. So cheers to that. So, but in all realness, this was the first emancipated duel in history, which means that all participants from the duelers to the medic to the audience were women. An emancipated duel featuring topless women has become a thing now and is obviously heavily fetishized, but I do want to say if it is performed for the entertainment of men, it is not a true emancipated duel because it is just for women. Amazing. So fuck out of here, boys. Fuck out. Amazing. Okay, that leads me to my story. Thank you for entertaining those few stories. They were too good not to share. Can I add one honorable mention to your list? Yes. That I was going to mention, but then I found out you had honorable mentions and I thought you were going to talk about him. So I thought about doing a Russian president whose name I now cannot remember. I should have written it down, but I didn't. It doesn't really matter. He was a Russian president. So, you know, during the Cold War. So maybe not the greatest guy ever. Anyway, he was a known drunk, like known drunk and like he's a runner. So could you imagine being a president and being like the person in your friend group who runs off? Oh my god. <laughs> no, and they're like, everybody go shit, go get him. Oh, it's so frustrating. Uh, oh my god. So his his security agents hated him. But he went to the White House during Bill Clinton's first term in office. And while he was at the White House, he got so drunk. He tried to go get himself a pizza by walking off the White House property and Secret Service agents had to, like, manhandle carry him back to his, like, rooms because he was so hell-bent on getting a pizza. Another time at a state function while in Russia, he got so drunk at at an orchestra performance that he convinced himself he could direct the orchestra. (laughs) so he got up on stage and like russian president in the 80s and 90s like maybe not the greatest time to be telling somebody i mean really there's not really been a great time to fight back to the russian president but um pushed the orchestra director over and proceeded to attempt to direct the orchestra oh my god what an icon truly Nothing like being like the technical leader of a country and also being the friend that runs away when they're being the sloppy (laughs) drunk. Dude, honestly, that's just like any 20 year old frat boy, but like he's like 65. (laughs) Like, how many times have we like just done anything to get a fucking pizza? True. Like, and I honestly, I think he's the most normal out of everybody we've talked about so far. He just happens to have way too much power. Yeah. Um, Uh, With that being said, Jess, I'm going to tell you the incredible story of the eggnog riot. Oh, I thought about doing this one. I'm so glad I did. Oh, how much did you learn? (laughs) Not very much. Not very much. This is why I texted you. And when I saw that this was where you were at, I didn't read very much. I just know that it's a thing. I cannot wait. Tell me more. And so... I have decided to drink today, not eggnog, because if I have one cup of that, it's just like I'm full and I can't do anything else. I have some hot chocolate and Baileys, which oh, I, love it. I am now full, but it's <laughs> Baileys is whiskey, so yes. it's kind of whiskey based. So anyway, and also drink. it's about Christmas time. It yeah. only felt right. So <clears throat> the eggnog riot by Allison Hillman. 
Twas the night before Christmas, and all through West Point Military Academy in New York in 1826, not a creature was stirring, except for dozens of drunken cadets throwing a secret Christmas party, rager, in their dorms. Okay, just like the book. One faculty member, Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock, lay snug in his bed. Visions of sugar plums... Well, they might have been dancing in his head, but unfortunately, he was awoken by a bout of thunderous laughter a few floors above him. You see, Jess, Superintendent Colonel Sylvanus Thayer, who's a Gemini, by the way. Oh, I also did that throughout this whole thing. I, you, it's funny how you said yours was a Leo, because I put like <laughs> the birth signs of all of them. So anyway. The themes. The Superintendent Colonel Sylvanus Thayer, a Gemini, had warned Hitchcock, who is a Taurus, that something like this might occur. After all, it was the superintendent that had banned alcohol from the campus entirely. So it used to be that cadets could drink on two days of the year, July 4th and Christmas. But on July 4th, the year before, the cadets the cadets got too wasted and they performed what's called a snake dance. So that means that they hoisted the school's commander, William Worth, on their shoulders and carried him back to their barracks and because nobody like not a single soul in the 1800s had a sense of humor alcohol was entirely banned from the campus after this (laughs) so (laughs) but if you remember from my 10 cent beer night story mankind always finds a way we always do. do And the cadets, I'll tell you, they were hellbent on celebrating Christmas. Like so many of us do with boozy eggnog. Mm -hmm. A few nights before the Christmas party, the illegal Christmas party, three young cadets hopped into a little dinghy and crossed the river that flows behind their school in secret. Okay. They ran to a tavern on the opposite bank and bought three gallons of rum and whiskey three gallons of rum and whiskey Mm -hmm. for the sole purpose of making spiked eggnog naturally seems like a lot so on their way back across the river they encountered a soldier standing guard they hurriedly pulled whatever money they had left a whopping 35 cents which in today's money is about ten dollars Listen, that'll get the job done. <laughs> well, and paid off the guard to look the other way, which honestly, he must have just like not cared because $10 <laughs> is not going to be anyway. So he was like, just fuck off. So I, I don't want to deal with this. And so anyway, they paid him off, which is just such a classic rich white boy thing to do. Just paying mm-hmm. off authority to get away with stuff. Love to see it. Just incredible. But here's the thing. The superintendent wasn't stupid. He knew a forbidden boozy party was likely to happen. So he assigned two officers, Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock, the Taurus, and Lieutenant William A. Thornton, who did not have a Wikipedia page, so I don't know what his sign is, to monitor the North Barracks that Christmas Eve night. And by monitor, that meant that basically, like, they just get their own rooms in the barracks and, like, get to sleep unless there's obviously a commotion. Like, it's kind of like the college dorm RA style. Yeah. Where they, like, don't make me come in there kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. we are back to the sugar plums dancing in Hitchcock's head, okay? In the early morning hours of Christmas Day, around 4.30 in the morning... Hitchcock awoke to the sound of boisterous young cadets a few floors above him. So this is how I picture 
the next scene at least just in my eyes so i picture his eyes just snap open like bloodshot like you know that episode of spongebob where they're like mm-hmm. sandy's like hibernating or whatever she's asleep and they wake her up and she was like so scary do you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah anyway just that kind weird. of energy so eyes snap open and i bet that he just like jolts upright kind of frankenstein style like straight leg from the waist up into a sitting position except his arms are folded across his chest like a vampire yeah naturally okay naturally. yes and he also has a nightcap on so then have you ever seen madeline or madeline yeah like the french little girl yes and you know the nun <laughs> and you know the nun that like yeah. sits up in bed and is like something is not right and then the whole something is not right something is quite wrong and then she like runs and like is like well that's uh-huh. good and she's like looking yeah i picture that except he's not a sweet nun he's a really pissed off american military captain so it's not cute <laughs> it's like bad okay so now instead of one huge party with all the cadets in one room they had spread out into their separate dorm rooms, but don't get me wrong. They were all equally shit-faced. Equally. Yeah. Three gallons and of spiced rum. In eggnog. I just can't – I can't imagine drinking that much spiked eggnog to actually get that shit-faced because it would just fill me up too fast. Eggnog is so thick. Anyway, so I – as someone who does not like eggnog, thinking about drinking enough eggnog to get drunk sounds like hell. 1800s eggnog was probably just like light milk (laughs) so who knows anyway so with the rage only a military man from the 1800s could have hitchcock bursts into the first noisy dorm room where he found 13 cadets who were all just completely tanked and so he ordered them to get back to their rooms and as he turned to leave hitchcock heard the sound of another party happening in the adjoining dorm When he entered, he found two drunk cadets attempting to hide from him under a blanket. A third third cadet was holding a hat over his face like a mask, refusing to show his identity. Like, no, no, I don't know. You can't see me. You can't see me. Like, that kind of energy. And Hitchcock was, like, demanding, like, show me who you are. Show me your face. Who are you? And a few angry words were exchanged. Enough to enrage the other cadets nearby, who, after Hitchcock finally left, they shouted, quote, get your dirks, which are like little daggers, get your dirks and bayonets and pistols if you have them. Before this night is over, Hitchcock will be dead. End quote. <gasps> seems like an escalation to me. In my opinion, seems like a bit. What do I know? How many military academies <laughs> have I been to? None. I'm just going to leave it as it is. So that's what they said. Now, at this point, while they were all up there, little, you know, storm clouds above their heads, Hitchcock was on his way to another floor below where the sounds of an even bigger party could be heard. Word had now spread that their parties were being crashed one by one. So cadet, so a cadet named Jefferson Davis, remember that name if you don't already know it, a cadet named Jefferson Davis drunkenly ran to an, to that other party downstairs and burst into the room announcing to hide the booze. Hitchcock is coming. But of course he was too drunk to notice that Hitchcock was already there, like in the room, staring at him straight in the face. Like you're so <laughs> fucking stupid. And so <laughs> Davis got like sent back to his room where he like remained the rest of the night. 
which was actually a good thing because he missed what the worst of what was to come. So yeah. Hitchcock ha- was now finally joined by the other faculty guy, Thornton, who had also been appointed with controlling these northern barracks. So now mm-hmm. it's like two against like 70. <laughs> So the odds aren't great. Odds Odds aren't great. Yeah. The cadets were as sloshed as ever, but now instead of being like funny drunk, let's hide under a blanket, they were angry drunk. Like, let's fucking fight. And so more heated words were exchanged. The group from upstairs that wanted to actually kill Hitchcock had now arrived and thus began the eggnog riot. And Jess, it was absolute mayhem. Of course it was. One cadet pulled out his pistol, aimed it at Hitchcock, (gasps) and then another drunk cadet fell into him, sending them both sprawled out on the floor. The bullet flies into the doorframe. Cadets are ripping up furniture and tore banisters off the wall. They're chucking pieces of wood and glass and rocks at Hitchcock and Thornton. As Hitchcock and Thornton are fucking hightailing it out of there, they are being chased through the halls by dozens of cadets wielding swords, muskets, bayonets. Thornton was eventually just knocked unconscious in a stairwell. Hitchcock managed to lock himself in his room as the cadets tried to break down his door. Some cadets went outside and started throwing rocks through his windows. Insane. And yes, that was basically all one sentence because that's just in my head. That's how it all played out. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Here's the thing. You said earlier that people in the 1800s don't know how to have fun after the 4th of July. But now hearing how these people react to, like, having any sort of eggnog booze in their system and their answer is death, maybe I would have taken away the booze too. (laughs) Listen... I I think it, it Sounds like really can't handle it. It went from hiding under a blanket, like hiding under a blanket and giggling to like let's fucking kill that guy. I don't know. Like I mean, I get it. Like there are a bunch of like probably 18 to 22 year olds. Like it can't be great. But yeah, I still think it's a steep jump <laughs> personally. I mean, <laughs> like I've been I've been a drunk 21 year old, you yeah. know. I've never once thought about killing someone. No, me neither. I if I get like mad, I cry. That's it. And I like, like if I, I get mad, I, I go never... to sleep. That <sighs> no, too. Or I just eat an entire pizza by myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, that too. Okay, so I start thinking about Olive Garden a little bit lustfully. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, you're just like what I would give for their breadsticks right now. So fucking insane. So. At around six in the morning, more staff and some sober cadets had arrived to start diffusing the situation. At this point, the cadets were also starting to sober up a little bit and and were kind of starting to run out of energy. And mm-hmm. but like my favorite thing though is that at six oh five, the usual like wake up call, like like that that thing or whatever. That oh, it usually yeah. happened at six oh five. That just blared around campus, waking up everybody else, and everyone in the South Barracks got to step outside, well rested, blurry eyed, on a gorgeous Christmas morning, to see the carnage that was the North Barracks. Like there was, there was still gunfire, the sound of glass breaking, screams of profanity, cries of pain, and threats being yelled to the faculty were just echoing across the campus and they were like good morning like (laughs) 
hello <laughs> what's going on santa <laughs> it's like did i miss something did santa not come this year yeah a lot truly a magical christmas morning if i do say so myself so finally at about 6 20 things really had fizzled out because there was a company roll call and even though most of the cadets were still shit-faced they lined up for that some even got in formation and drunkenly marched with everyone else <laughs> which is just the funniest thing I honestly, if I were that drunk, I would love to march. Like, I would be like, let's go. But <laughs> Drunk autopilot. Oh, there, my gosh. Okay. I have a friend who was very drunk, who had to, like, was drunk at four in the morning, having to get on a plane at 6 a.m. And was leaving a city that they were not familiar with and had to navigate getting into this airport on like full-blown drunk autopilot like blackout drunk get an uber go to the airport get through tsa the whole bit and i there is nothing stronger than somebody on drunk autopilot <laughs> you have to get through you like, do and you do you find a way you find a, it's incredible what you can accomplish i have truly done some incredible things while just being completely shit-faced i shouldn't have been able to do you know I know I already briefly told you this story, but when I was coming back from New Orleans a few months ago, I almost missed my flight home because I was drunk in a gift shop looking at a cookbook for Brendan. And like over the intercom, I hear last call for Salt Lake City. Jess, it was like a home alone moment. I was like, fuck, like paid for the book, like tucked it under my armpit like a football, grabbed my suitcase and sprinted like not well again drunk with the suitcase there was a lot happening sprinted to the gate and like i was literally the very last person on the plane incredible like the and and like literally the woman at the gate was like oh did you go to the wrong gate and i was like uh, yeah for sure that's exactly what happened i wasn't just so drunk i almost completely fucking missed it but anyway it was an iconic moment it was very nerve-wracking i was very stressed it's a um, great cookbook it was worth it was worth the stress thank you so anyway needless to say they did not live happily ever after (laughs) Jess I don't think words can describe how much trouble they got in I'm actually like tearing up thinking about it (laughs) can you I I actually have real tears in my eyes can you imagine how (laughs) much trouble well I can imagine I can tell you so like (laughs) you have the factual information it's in front of me this is a strict military academy and not only that it was like just became a strict military academy so it was like extra strict because they wanted to maintain a level of like Mm -hmm. prestigiousness or something these cadets attack hitchcock a captain and thornton a lieutenant and they completely destroyed the barracks causing thousands of dollars in today's money worth of damage okay and since almost a third of the 260 cadets that attended this school participated in this event like over 70 expelling all of them would be a crippling blow to the academy and its reputation and so again like white boys do best most of them got away with it of course they did naturally so only 22 of those cadets who were most heavily involved in the riot and like the violence were actually prosecuted 
Out of these 22, three were put on house arrest, including Jefferson Davis. I told you to put a pin in his name. He was put on house arrest for about a month, but he wasn't charged. The other 19 cadets who committed the worst offenses were put through a full-fledged trial that lasted all of January and into February. Eight were found guilty but granted clemency and were allowed to stay, and the other nine were completely, entirely expelled forever. Goodbye. Don't ever come back. Which is a really big fucking deal. So nine were completely expelled. And what I would like to say is that what's so interesting is that out of these nine that were completely expelled, three went on to become pretty significant in U.S. history. And I will also say, not for great reasons, John Archibald Campbell was one of them. He's a cancer. He served as a justice on the Supreme Court, then became an (gasps) official. Yeah, he was expelled. He served as a justice on the Supreme Court, then became an official of the Confederate States of America, which quick U.S. history lesson if you need it. The Confederate States of America is literally just 11 southern states that tried to become independent from the U.S. after Lincoln was elected because they wanted to keep slavery. Like, there was like, how about you have your half, we have our half, and we're completely sovereign union. Really bitter taste is what that is. So he became an official for that after being Supreme Court Justice. Hugh W. Mercer is a Sagittarius. He was a Confederate Army general. Uh, Benjamin G. Humphreys, a Virgo, served as a Confederate Army general, then as governor of Mississippi. So just strike, 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 just strike. So these guys are just fail sons. These guys were just like the equivalent of our incels. But honestly, the more I thought about it, I was like, of course, the one, like, out like three out of the nine that were actually expelled, like the most violent and stupidest became part of the Confederacy. So it actually, upon thinking about it, it made sense to me because they were the most determined to be just like the worst. So anyway, and now we're going to come full circle back to our boy Jefferson Davis. He did not get expelled, but remember, he was the guy that ran into a room with Hitchcock already in it and was like, guys, he's coming. He... (laughs) I just okay. He ended up becoming president of the Confederate States of America. So <gasps> I was gonna say that name sounds really familiar. Yeah, I was hoping you didn't know right off the bat. Like we definitely, I definitely have him in several notebooks, like yeah. from school. Oh my god. Yeah. So ooh, it feels so bad. <laughs> it feels you should have expelled him while you had the chance. All right. So he became the president of the confederate states of america so he was literally head of the government for several southern states as well as commander-in-chief of the confederate army and confederate navy it was it was literally him versus lincoln like if they became sovereign like lincoln would be president of the u.s and he would have been president of the confederacy like the confederate states like okay so it sounds like this military academy was just churning out like the fail sons racist. of the 1800s it seems i mean that way. everybody back then was racist in their own way but like particularly particularly I'm bad loving, like <laughs> i am hate loving just like the absolute anarchy of this i know <laughs> of this bar- barrack 
I know. It's <laughs> too... And I was like, I was kind of mad that they were in the North Barracks. It would have been really funny if they were in the Southern Barracks. Just, it would have really brought the whole story full circle, I think. Really, really would have brought the room together. <laughs> and um, I'm going to send you a quick picture. Because I have to. Always. And I'm I waiting. do have to say that according to one source, me, Jefferson Davis is also known to have the grossest goatee in American history. So USA, (laughs) USA, look at your text. He fucking deserves. Oh my God. Isn't that the worst thing I've ever seen? I wish that he'd been shot. (laughs) It's like, for those of you that he's perfectly clean shaven all over his entire face, except for directly his bottom, the direct bottom of his chin. Literally, literally just like the chin. Where he has like four (laughs) inches of hair just growing straight out. It is... just sacrilegious it is just satanic everything about it is everything about it is awful so funny and also my god a quick pit a quick picture of hitchcock the guy who is trying to rally everybody up and he just looks like the least fun person of all time so i'm sending you a photo of him too i just like feel like all of my energy just left my body i know we'll post all of these on our instagram as always yeah isn't it like his eyes actually make you feel more dead inside anyway none of the buildings from the eggnog riot remain on west point's present day campus but the riots did have a lasting impact on that on the campus's architecture so in the 1840s when the barracks were built when the when the new barracks were built so they tore down the old ones they built new ones They included short hallways that required cadets to exit the building entirely in order to access another floor. So this was for crowd control so that it would make it a lot more difficult for cadets to gather in large numbers. Like, they literally were like, we have to make this as complicated as possible because of what the fuck they did. The architect gets the notes and it's literally just like, how do we stop a fucking riot? Just 40 <laughs> ladders, please. <laughs> it's the only way. It's a fire pole. Respectfully, <laughs> fire pole shoots. Thank you. Oh my god. Respectfully, trap doors everywhere. All right. So this is my last paragraph. Combination and locks. I really I, I had to include this. I it was a little bit of a rabbit hole, but it's Cheers. So today, West Point is an extremely prestigious military academy with only a 10% acceptance rate. 10% acceptance rate, okay? Yeah. And to get in, Jess, I want you to start doing a mental checkoff and let me know when you just start putting X's, okay? Okay. To get in, you need a 3.9 GPA. Okay. A nomination from a congressman, senator, the vice president. Or, if you've already served, you can get a nomination that way. And as far as the physical fitness evaluation, this actually made me, like, cry laugh because of how much I just would not be able to do this. So, you have two minutes to do pull-ups, palms forward from a dead hang, at least 18 for men and 7 for women. You get a very short rest before the sit-ups, which is... Both men and women need 95 in two minutes. And after another short rest, push-ups. Men need 75 in two minutes. Women need 50. Finally, after an eight-minute rest, all candidates run the mile. A perfect time for men is five minutes and 20 seconds or less. 
and women have to make six minutes flat. There's also ball throwing okay. and other sprinting exercises, and that is why I will never join the military. Thank you. Colon, parentheses, smiley face, red heart, goodbye. That's it for me. How did you how do you think you'd do? I could do all of it except for the push-ups. The two minutes would be really hard. The two minute time limit. What about would be the really pull-ups? Hard. If I had like a f- the pull-ups palm seven, in, though. I could probably whip out palm if I if I trained, I could probably do it. I could probably do that too. Seven, I could probably do. But nineteen push-ups? No. The push-ups, I I can't do a push-up. I like I can do ten. And then I get and I like I lift bro. I have yeah. strong arms. I cannot. There's something about the weight. I could do I could do tricep push-ups. Like if I could do a non-traditional push-up, I could do the tricep ones. But the ones where your arms are out like this or the ones where they're in your body. Where they're like this and you're like close oh, to Oh, those body. are actually way harder. Good for you. I don't know why. I actually think they're easier than regular push-ups. Probably because my triceps are stronger than whatever muscles are worked for regular push-ups. And something my Orange Theory coach thinks is really funny is that, like, I can do tricep push-ups just fine. But then you make you do a regular push-up and I'm, like, knees into my stomach. Yeah, like, it, it's rough. <laughs> and six-minute mile, anyway. can you still do that? Um, I couldn't right now, but okay. if I trained, I could. My mile time is pretty insane, Allison. I do know. What was it, like, when you were in college, in high school, I mean? I could I could do the I could do the men's time. Beat the men's time. 513. Holy shit. I can't relate, can't relate. Yeah. Again, I don't it would take me a long time to get to that point again. But the I'm in like the prime running years of my life. So if I like rigorously mm-hmm. trained a 6 minute I actually have to do a mile time trial in a week for my Well, gym. that's disgusting. I will not be telling you guys what I do. No, I'm not it's already worse than just, I can guarantee you, again, I, we've talked about this before. I am very dangerous over short distances. If you put me yeah, on absolutely. a fucking track and were like, run a mile and tackle this person, I'd be like, good day, mate. No, I'm not, can't. Like, I'll beat him in an arm wrestle. Like, again, I have the strength. I could train and probably do the rest of those yeah. things if my back would allow me to do the sit-ups. <laughs> if my back would allow me to do the sit-ups. Yeah. I could probably do all those things, yeah. but I'm tapping out at the mile. Like to get your paramedic yeah. license, you have to go through firefighter training, which I'm not nervous about, except for the fact you have to run a mile. And I'm like, oh God, like I, even at my most fit, which I was like really fucking fit. Like when I was in my boxing days, I still, yeah, like I ran a mile once without having to stop. That's like how like my body just won't allow yeah. it. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. So that's West Point uh, Military Academy and the eggnog riot and then what West Point Military Academy is like today. So thank you so much, Allison. I am really glad to hear that a bunch of racists got really drunk and then got in trouble. And then still time. went on to become like senators um, and governors and it also makes a lot of sense that they were using eggnog to do this. Like what psych <laughs> I know. Enough. Just shoot the whiskey like a normal person. Like, enough eggnog to get shit-faced. I... That's crazy. That is... My lactose intolerance would say absolutely the fuck Would say one sip, you're out. Couldn't even... Yeah, I get it. Yeah. They have... You know that joke where it's like, if you gave a Victorian child's, like, McDonald's Sprite, (laughs) their head would explode? If you gave me... If you gave me 19th century eggnog, my head would explode. (laughs) 
that's fair. It's like a new thing, like a, a bunch of different ways that to kill a Jess with Victorian era things. Um, <laughs> pure Victorian era eggnog. I personally would probably just die, like pass away after seeing two Victorian women fighting topless. I'd be like, they're so cool. They're so cool. And yeah, absolutely. I would die. Absolutely. In their flowy dresses and they're like Victorian boobs because they're all curvy, you know? Mm-hmm. In the most mm-hmm. consensual and non-creepy way, I say that. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're hot, but like consensually and in a way that I am empowering <laughs> you. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> you're Joffrey you're handsome and fair. Yes. <laughs> Gorgeous oh and very fierce. Anyway, so yeah, that's that on that. And this was very fun kind of diving into the history of... Good old good old people being drunk in history. Yours was definitely, definitely much more comedic than mine, but my God. No, you're, it just shows the timeline. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The French wine, I did not mention this in my story because I forgot, but another reason that the monks and the priests left was because there was some, how shall I delicately say, anal sex going on between some of the men of the court. Nice, nice. (laughs) So there was some, there was some good uh, sodomy on that boat, which we love, um, so, you know, we love the debauchery of drunk people before they die. It's a great time. <laughs> and or start a riot. In my head, the entire time that this eggnog riot was happening, Riot by Hollywood Undead was playing, which is when they're like, fuck this shit, let's start a riot. Yeah. Like the entire time. It was just blasting. Absolutely. It was just, it was too good. Absolutely. A lot of great music. On that note, yeah, don't drink and drive a boat. Yeah, don't drink three gallons of spiked eggnog for multiple multiple reasons, and you know maybe don't try to kill your teacher. These also, are the lessons good. that we've learned. Yeah, 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 from this episode. So, um, amazing! Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with some New Year's shenanigans, and we're so excited to be back for season two. Thanks for riding along with us. Cool. We will see you all next week for your, you know, shitty New Year's resolutions. resolutions. We'll share some of our own. It's going to be great, but can't wait. So happy to be back this new year. All right. Yeah. Cool. 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 Okay. Bye. 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 (laughs)